Jesus Together, a podcast about the teachings and practices of Jesus and what that means for us and our church family. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Jake. And we are glad to be with you guys again, talking specifically about some spiritual practices that we think are crucial for our church family right now. Jake, what are we talking about today? So today we are talking about solitude. Sounds fun. (laughs) It is. We're both extroverts, so. Yeah. Definitely a discipline. So as we are recording this right now, we are on week three of lockdown. We are under quarantine with COVID-19 happening, and we really wanted to focus this season on specific practices that we think now more than ever we can lean to as a church body. So when it comes to solitude, like we were saying in the previous weeks, our homes in a lot of ways have become monasteries where we are alone with our thoughts now more than ever. And it was interesting. I had a couple of people share with me different articles in the last couple of weeks. One was from the New York Times about the importance of establishing rituals mm. to help you in order to operate, to function through this quarantine. The whole article was on mental health and the damaging effects that quarantine can have on people. And he says the way out of it is you have to find rituals and routines. Another article I read, a friend sent to me was from Harvard Business Review, essentially just saying, even if you are not a religious person, just come up with rituals, come up Mm. with routines that you do throughout the day or throughout the week, and that is what's going to sustain you. And what's just fascinating about all of that is this is becoming a big light bulb moment for the whole world. Now that we are in these monasteries, how do we survive? How do we get through it? We do it through disciplines and practices that we've set in place. And then you look at scripture and you see, yeah, Jesus has been saying this for thousands of years. And we're just now starting to realize that the Bible is true in more ways (laughs) than one. Yeah. As I was thinking about this, solitude is different from isolation. And I think Mm. with the spiritual practices, there are ways that you can do the spiritual practices, but not be fully in it, where you can almost be this passive agent and not really understand the whole intent or purpose behind it. So you can read your Bible and just read it to read it and say, well, okay, I read it. I didn't. Or you can say some words and call it prayer, but Spiritual practices takes this soul-level engagement where you are trying to encounter the presence of Jesus in that. And so silence and isolation can look like the same thing from an external perspective. It looks like someone being alone. Mm -hmm. But the difference between the two is there is intentionality behind solitude. There is this desperation, this seeking the face of God, being away from distraction and people so that you can really get there. Yeah. Is there anything you would add to that? Yeah, I think a solitude is sort of a self-explanatory word in that you are alone. I actually think the discipline of solitude these days is probably more of a challenge to quiet other voices and other noise, not just get away from people. Mm. For high extroverts, the getting away from people or people with kids, which I'd like to hear your thoughts on that in a second, Mm -hmm. the actual getting away from people could be difficult. But I actually think the deeper challenge and probably where a lot of the spiritual work will come in is the silencing of noise. Um, Is Mm. Really true solitude, I think, is paired with silence where we don't have our phones, where we don't have music. We're not taking in anything. We are truly just alone with God. We are alone with our own souls and allowing him to do whatever work he needs to do there. I really am curious, just from a starting point, how practically does a person... So I am single and live alone. So 
solitude. Uh, not that I, I would not say I'm practicing solitude all the time just cause I live alone. Cause I'm often with people and lots of noise and distraction, but how do you, as someone with a wife and three kids, how do you even begin to pursue the discipline of solitude? So a quick backstory. Last time I tested on the Myers-Briggs, I was a hundred percent on the extrovert side, hated being by myself in every way imaginable. A story I like to share when Lucy and I were married, we were inseparable for the first week and the honeymoon and we're <laughs> buying furniture and we're settling into the house. And I remember maybe two or three weeks into our marriage, Lucy says, hey, I'm just going to go be by myself at a coffee shop somewhere. <laughs> and I remember deer in headlights asking, is everything okay? Yeah, of course. I just need to get by myself. But why? At a coffee shop. And I was really distraught and saying, did I do something wrong? What? Why are you doing this? Why are you punishing me? She said, I'm going to go now. You figure out you. And I felt in that moment, almost like a dog, the way they just stare at their front door, just waiting for their master to come back. It's like, I, I'm not going to watch TV. What, what do I do? And solitude in more ways than one has been one of the biggest challenges for me as a raging extrovert. But now that I have kids, ages five, three, and one, I would be interested in taking the Myers-Briggs again because I think having kids <laughs> and being in my 30s has mellowed me out a ton. But it looks like for me, I know my kids usually start making noise around 7 a.m. So that means I need to set my alarm for way earlier than that. So it's usually around 6 a.m., also means I need to go to bed at a decent hour so I can get some good sleep so I yeah. can wake up at 6 a.m. and make my coffee and be alert and in a place where I can be with Jesus. And oftentimes it looks like me being in the furthest room in the house from my kids with the door closed, really just trying to make that a routine. And it was one of the hardest things when I started doing it to just be without distraction be away from my phone, not listening to a sermon, not listening to worship music, but just to get my mind in a state of, I want to hear the voice of God in my life, speak into my life directly. So I need to get rid of anything that might distract me. On top of that, I think solitude makes you see your inner monologue. You hear your mm -hmm. inner monologue when you are quiet. And I think that's why a lot of people hate solitude. Externally, oh, I got to be away from screens. I can't turn on any noise. I need to get distraction free. And then what happens is you realize you are alone with yourself and all your insecurities and all of your past conversations start bubbling up to the surface. And then it almost becomes the spiritual battle just to listen to the voice of God yep. in that moment. I'm still learning. I'm not that great at it, but I am learning to really enjoy it. But those first 30 minutes when I wake up, it is a mental battle. And I just see before the kids start screaming and demanding my attention at 7am in the morning, I really need to get in a good headspace to be with Jesus in the quiet. I need that for my soul or else I will just fall victim to the demands and interruptions of the day without any sense of thinking or any sense of intentionality behind it, if that makes sense. Solitude underlies all the spiritual disciplines in a lot of ways. That space, what you described of being with the Lord in the morning, 
in order to encounter him in a lot of the other spiritual disciplines, we really need that silence and solitude to get us into that place. You know, you can't encounter the Lord as much through these other disciplines like prayer and reading scripture and other things that you might do without that space of solitude. And so I think there's daily solitude like that, that is a part of kind of all the other spiritual practices. And then I think there are unique seasons in life where we get to take things like days of retreat for solitude, where we get to get away with the Lord for a couple of hours alone. There may even be seasons of life where you're able to take an overnight alone or a trip alone or something like that for solitude. Similar to you, Jake, I test very, very high as an extrovert. People listening to this are probably thinking like, well, what about the introverts? What do we, nobody identifies with us on this thing, but I took it in college and also got a hundred percent and then took it about eight years later or something and got 91%. I think now I would still be in like the eighties, but like you, solitude has been a huge journey for me has been a, a huge area of growth. I mean, I still test as an extrovert cause I still am. I still love being with people and I am still recharged in a real sense by being with and talking to other people. But there's been that discipline of having solitude every morning with the Lord of just a place of stillness and quiet. And I love what you said about it's a space to be alone with your own soul and to hear your own thoughts and feel your own feelings. I think for a lot of us, like you said, we're scared of that. We're scared of getting alone and thinking about the things that we spend a lot of life kind of pushing down lower and lower. And something beautiful happens in solitude. I think of our thought lives as mostly spent analyzing past conversations and preparing for future conversations. And Mm. I think something actually happens in solitude where we can move past both of those and actually be present to the Lord in a really unique way where we are not just thinking through past interactions and past tasks or thinking about future things we need to do or we're going to talk to someone about. I was trying to think through what are some of the barriers to solitude. And I think there's the clear barrier of maybe you just like being with people and maybe you've just filled your life with so much noise and distraction that it's hard to imagine. For a lot of us, solitude feels very unproductive and that pushes against the American ideal that a worthwhile use of time is always something that where you have something to show for it. And so I, of course, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with productive time with the Lord where we can show, I studied this passage or I prayed for all these things, or I read this book or listened to this sermon. I obviously don't think those are bad things. And I think there's something beautiful for us about being with Jesus in silence and solitude and accomplishing nothing, accomplishing nothing. Mm. Like other people look at it and say, you're wasting time. What are you doing? What are you doing? And we get to say, actually, God delights to be with me just as much in that moment where I'm doing nothing as when I'm being productive. He is my father who delights to be with me, even if I'm just sitting there enjoying his presence and being with him and allowing myself to be loved by him and loving him in return, which I think is what true worship is. So, and I would guess that's probably a, I mean, it's a barrier for everyone, but maybe more what an introvert who likes to be alone anyway would struggle with. But what am I doing? Am I being productive? Am I accomplishing something? It's like, no, actually, you're just being with Jesus. (laughs) And that's grace. That's part Mm. of what makes it so beautiful is God loves me apart from anything I do in whether it's reading the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. God just wants me and me alone apart from my good works to just be with him. Yeah. So silence and solitude is this beautiful way of practicing grace, living out grace in my life. That's really good. 
That's great. Where do we see silence and solitude in the life of Jesus? All the time. I feel like the phrase is used constantly in the Gospels. Yeah. Jesus went off to a solitary place. Jesus went off alone. Jesus went off to be with the Father, to pray, and all these kind of things. It's a repeated theme in his life to go off and be alone. Yeah. And I was even thinking, when you look at those accounts in the Gospels, he's usually by himself. He gets up early to pray, to be with the Father, and then someone usually interrupts him. Uh And I've always read those things like, I wonder how Jesus would respond to those. Because I know how I respond to those whenever my kids get out of bed early and I'm in my quiet space and I think, oh, what are you doing? Get out of here. I'm trying to be with the Lord. (laughs) I'm trying to learn how to be a loving person. Get out of here. It's working. But I wonder how much with Jesus, he knew that his day was filled with lots of interruptions and lots of busyness. And that was exactly why he went away to pray. So that when his disciples interrupted him and tapped him on his shoulder, Jesus was ready and prepared to say, yeah, let's go. Let's let's do the work of ministry now. So there's one book that a friend in my life group recommended to me. They said they had three copies at their house and they gave one to me. And I absolutely adore it. It's my jam. Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. InterVarsity Press, shout out. Hey, is that right? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. It's seriously an encyclopedia of spiritual disciplines and great books to read on specific disciplines and quotes, and I absolutely love it. On the silence chapter, they have a quote from Susan Muto that I thought was really good. It says, In a noise-polluted world, it is even difficult to hear ourselves think, let alone to try to be still and know God. Yet it seems essential for our spiritual life to seek some silence, no matter how busy we may be. Silence is not to be shunned as empty space, but to be befriended as fertile ground for intimacy with God. That's so good. like we've been saying, apart from the stuff you do for God, are you with God? And that's Mm -hmm. what really matters. And silence and solitude is very much all of the activity stripped away. How are you before the presence of God? Yeah. Lizzie, one thing I wanted to ask you, I have not gotten around to this, but I am very jealous that you have gotten to go away to a monastery to have weekend-long silence and solitude retreats. When I first heard about those things, I was still on the screaming extrovert side and just thought, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Get me away from that. And within the last however long of practicing silence and solitude, now it's just a matter of trying to figure it out with me and my wife's schedule (laughs) where... She feels comfortable me going away for a few days to do that. We're trying to get it on the calendar, but I would just love to hear from you. How has that experience been like for you as someone who is a big screaming extrovert? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think when you look at my life now, my college friends laugh at me when they hear that I take a week-long retreat to a monastery every summer. A week? Well, I do, a Monday to Friday. And okay. At this monastery, which is the best place in the whole world, you actually can wear this blue lanyard and that symbolizes that you're having a silent retreat. You don't really talk that much even if you're not wearing the lanyard. But in the last two years, I've started wearing the lanyard. So I have five days of complete silence. No one talks to me. I don't talk to anyone. And people from college are like, what? Like, no way. That's not you. But really... This is true of all the spiritual practices, but I feel it very strongly with solitude is that it's a muscle. I didn't just go from being 
a raging extrovert who was with people all day, every day to taking five day silent retreats. I actually take a retreat day once a month. The ministry that I work for encourages us to take that as a work day. Obviously, I know other people's jobs do not have that ability, but uh, maybe trying to get into the rhythm of every month or every few months taking a day of the weekend or a morning to just be with Jesus, I think is where you begin to work that muscle. So I was By the time I started going away for silent retreats, I had already been in the rhythm of taking a monthly day with the Lord in silence for years. So that's where I kind of worked up to it. Sometimes those are hard and I'm ready for the day to be over. And sometimes they're really great and very peaceful and I feel very at rest. But the Lord always meets me when I, you know, I love the verse that says that the Lord draws near to us when we draw near to him. I experienced that for sure in these days of silence and solitude. And it was a few summers ago when I was at this week-long retreat at the monastery, I was talking to one of the monks. This is before I was doing the silent thing. And you could, there's one monk who you're allowed to talk to. I was meeting with him, just kind of asking for some advice and spiritual direction about what spiritual disciplines to focus on. And he was talking to me about the discipline of centering prayer, which is a very specific discipline, but is mm-hmm. is similar yeah. to solitude. Is essentially about kind of a wordless prayer, usually where you're just sort of centering on God's presence with you in silence and solitude. And so he was talking about it and he said, the reason this discipline will be good for you is because it will even feel challenging at first to be silent and still before God with no distractions. But he said, the ultimate goal is that you would be able to experience the peace you feel in those moments in the worst and hardest moments of life when there's noise all around you. The actual end goal of silence and solitude is to experience a solitude of the heart and a quietness of the heart, even when you're surrounded by distraction and even surrounded by difficulty, that you would be so aware of God's presence. And I think that as you talked about Jesus being interrupted, I think that's why Jesus doesn't respond negatively to the interruptions because he is so at peace with the Father. Obviously, as a member of the Trinity, he is so at peace with who he is, with the Father and the Spirit, that someone stepping in and interrupting him, he still has that quietness of his soul, that peace of his soul. And that's, to me, the true end goal and the sort of pearl at the center, I don't even know if that's the right analogy, of silence and solitude, is a, is actually a stillness of our soul, not just the stillness of our outer life. Yeah, that's good. And that's exactly why I need that as a parent. And I'm <laughs> learning this. And I feel like I'm getting better, but I'm I'm still an amateur that whenever they are loud and screaming, I usually just do some sort of breath prayer and mm. just slow down my breathing and get in a mental place of where I was that morning. And that helps me. That sustains me through the day to, yeah. to parent my kids. That's so, so good. For someone who is brand new to it, they've never really heard of this before. They want to practice this muscle of silence and solitude? What would be some good steps? Obviously, if you've never done it before, don't sign up for a week-long stay at a monastery. No, No, absolutely not. (laughs) What would be some helpful just training wheels to get into that practice? I think if you are just getting used to spending daily time with the Lord, or that's a muscle you're working on right now, I would encourage you to add five minutes at the beginning of that that is unproductive silence and solitude where you first sit down for your time with the Lord, but you don't open your Bible and you don't start praying. You just sit and give it five minutes is going to feel like an eternity that first day. 
set an alarm or something. Well, you're not going to have your phone with you. I don't know. Look at a clock, whatever. As you begin to train yourself, that'll, that five minutes will feel like nothing. But that first time is going to feel really hard. If you are more in the discipline of having time with the Lord and, and some solitude and silence feels normal to you, then I would encourage you to try a retreat a weekend morning, take a couple hours, maybe get away to some national park. Or if you live alone, obviously you have that space, just create maybe a couple hours to just be with the Lord. That can be tempting for us to fill with, oh my gosh, I'm going to listen to this sermon and I'm going to read all these books and I'm going to, but I would actually encourage you to just take your Bible and journal and just kind of let a normal time with the Lord that you maybe do for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes a day, and let that like spread out over a couple hours. It's kind of like that, you know, when you like have a really nice meal at a restaurant and you just get to like let it linger. It's that yeah. kind of enjoyment when we get to spend long periods of silence and solitude with the Lord. We just get to linger in his goodness and experience it together. Yeah, that's good. I definitely agree. I think setting a timer for yourself whenever you're with Jesus, if five minutes, if you just can't do it, uh, try three minutes. Mm-hmm. And just build up that muscle and then over time, okay, I can do five minutes. All right, now try six minutes the next day and just slowly build that muscle more and more. I would encourage you to turn off background noise for a day or several days Mm, with our church family. We fasted for an entire week from background noise. And a lot of people were saying we just wrapped up Lent and all the fasting that we did that week. For everyone in my life group, that was the hardest week by far was background noises. It was hardest for me. Yeah. So in those moments, just ask yourself, why do you feel so antsy in your body? Take that to the Lord right now Mm -hmm. and build that muscle more and more. The image you were talking about, Jesus versus us, and he was in this place of contentment and peace, and he was able to handle the interruptions. The image that came to mind as you were talking about that was almost this picture of a lake and the water is completely smooth and looks like glass and how when you drop a big rock, it's just ripple effect waves and it takes forever to quiet down. And I think about the life of Jesus and how he experienced interruptions constantly, but was just so at peace because of his time being connected to the father that you could throw the biggest boulder in that lake, and yet it's still smooth as glass and calm. And that is that same sort of life that Jesus is inviting us into through his spirit. Mm -hmm. And we access that through silence and solitude. That is one of the first steps towards getting into that place of peace. Yeah. As you describe that, many people, and I feel it in myself, will think, is that really possible? Could I really experience that and feel that? And yes, the Holy Spirit's work in us is beyond what we could imagine, beyond what our natural personality types or natural struggles could have, what we could do on our own. And yes, He can give us that sort of peace. That's all we've got on Silence and Solitude. We hope that you enjoyed hearing us share a little bit about our own experience and what we see in scripture about this discipline. We encourage you to start small and try including this in your life and see how God might use it. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk about another spiritual practice. 